What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, apologetics, evangelization, catechesis, questions about faith and morals and justice and charity. I will then spend time with your questions, pray with them, study them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. But my disclaimer is this. I'm not perfect. Uh, And so my advice that I share with you might not actually be good for you. If that's the case, then I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to to grow in holiness, to conform life to Jesus Christ, to, to be a saint. However, if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I really want to give you the um, encouragement to lean into Jesus Christ in prayer and in study and in sacraments and just in his grace so that you can fulfill the demands of discipleship and become the saint that you're called to be. If you are a first time listener, you want to hit me up with your own questions. You can do so at www.essentialpress.com slash askfatherjosh. That's ask F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats, and you can share us on your social media pages. This will help other people to find out about the show. If it's a gift for you, potentially, it can become a gift for other people. If you want to stay in contact with me throughout the, the week, you can also buy my books, Broken and Blessed, Pocket Guide to Adoration, and my newest book with Father Mike Schmitz, Pocket Guide to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And you can uh, pray for me. Uh, as I uh, prepare to, I, I just pretty much finished up my, my latest book. It's going to come out this summer and I'm so excited about it. It's going to be about addressing race and uh, racism and discipleship. And I've been working on this book for over five years. This is actually the very first book that I ever wrote uh, and I've revised for five years in a row now and it's finally ready to come out. And so I'm just, I'm so excited to finally share this with you and with the church and with our parishes. And so it's uh, exciting. So pray for me as we prepare for that one as well. But yeah, today's show, what are we going to talk about? Today's show, we're going to talk about the litany of humility. That is uh, one of my favorite prayers to recite, one of the most difficult prayers to recite also. So we're going to address some of those difficulties. Also, Catholic postures at Mass, especially for those of us who have family members and friends who are not Catholic, they come to Mass with us and they're like, why do we stand and sit and kneel and beat our chest and bow? Like, What's up with all these different postures? Is it just a bunch of like man-made rules? Is it something new that the church kind of put together? Or does it have a, uh, a biblical root? Is it, is it rooted in Judaism? Uh, and also we're going to address interfaith dating, walking with someone toward the sacrament of matrimony who is of a different uh, faith background. But before we get into those questions, I want to share with you a glory story. Right, y'all. My glory story is this, uh, man. It's I, mean, I, I have so many. So basically, wow. Where do I start? Uh, y'all. It's been God is so good. So I did a. I had two retreats this week. I did a retreat for guys concerning the priesthood, uh, in collaboration with my diocese of Baton Rouge and the Archdiocese of Mobile at Saint Joseph Seminary College, and it was absolutely amazing. It was great. 
I got to do it with Father Victor Ingalls, um, Father Patrick, my buddy Michael Parker was there as well. So it was just great and uh, inspiring and edifying to walk with young men who are interested in learning more about the priesthood to discern if they're called to this beautiful vocation. And one of the graces for me, it was at the Abbey, St. Joseph's Abbey, which is like a place that is super special to me. I was there for four years, have had profound intimate encounters with the Lord and that place in that land. So anytime I go back there, it's always life-giving. It's always renewing and restoring for me and my relationship with the Lord. But uh, I had a powerful moment with praying with the monks that just rocked my world. I'd, I've been discerning. You know, I'm, I'm always constantly discerning, right? Trying to to do the will of God, trying to, to surrender to him and do what is best, not only for me, but for the community. And I've been discerning something and just going back and forth and Long story short, the monks began to read scripture during one of their night prayers, and the scripture, the word of God, it was from Jesus himself when he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, and you're thinking not as God does, but as men. And I I could just perceive the Lord just communicating that message to me, and it was very powerful, and it pierced my heart and gave me clarity with discernment and freedom to move forward in, in a direction I was pretty sure God was calling me to go, but I wasn't you know, fully there yet. So that was a big breakthrough. And uh, it was also just great to be with, you know, again, the guys who are discerning. And um, it's always life-giving to be around people who are excited about about their vocation. But then I also was on retreat with my staff this week. I took my staff and we did a day together of just prayer and rest and recreation. And it was so beautiful. And we shared hearts. And it was just, it was really good, y'all. It was so good. We we began with like pray, prophetic praise in prayer. And so we like just did some praise music and uh, prophetic prayer. And then after that, I gave a talk on rest and recreation. And then we had some some sharing of graces and thoughts and feelings and desires. And then we broke up into small groups and uh, we had lunch. And uh, what else did we do? Then we had like a circuit of prayer where it was like for two hours, we like rotated between going to pray before the Blessed Sacrament and having some praise and uh, walking outside in nature with the Lord and doing confession, going to receive the sacrament of reconciliation, and writing letters of gratitude to people who have been our benefactors in our ministry, and and then also like one-on-one individual prayers of encouragement. Came back from that, had more sharing of graces and fellowship, and it just, it was beautiful. I, I just, I love my team. I love my team in the Office of Vacations. I love my team in the parish. God is just, I love my team at Ascension. God has just blessed me with some phenomenal teammates to walk with toward eternity, and so I was yeah, I'm just so grateful. Uh, it was so good to see. This community is so so necessary. It's just so good to, to hear what God is doing in other people's lives and to see the fruit. Yeah, man, God is good. So we need community. We need, absolutely need to abide with each other in intentional relationships. But yeah, that's my glory story. Uh, but before we get into the show, I want to share with you some feedback. Uh, feedback comes in today from Amy. Amy says, hey, Father Josh, I'm so grateful that God led me to find your podcast. I so enjoyed your appearance on the Abiding Together podcast as well. You are a joy. Uh, Can you recommend a book and or a resource on the Holy Spirit? I want to learn more from a worthy source. You are a great blessing. Thank you. um, Thank you so much. I'm super honored that you find me to be a good source. So I, I would say a few options are... Number one, Father Renero Catalamesa. Uh, he's the papal preacher. He is a cardinal now. Uh, not a bishop, but he's a cardinal. Uh, he has some amazing works out there. Uh, one of his best works on the Holy Spirit is Sober Intoxication of the Spirit, Filled with the Fullness of God. 
So that sober intoxication of the Holy Spirit, he is a really great writer on uh, the the Holy Spirit. So I definitely would recommend uh, him for sure. I think another person that you might be interested in in reading uh, is Dr. Mary Healy. Dr. Mary Healy uh, is a, an author. She has some really good works out there um, that I think are beneficial for the body of Christ. And so she's another person who I think is a trustworthy source. So you have Dr. Mary Healy and Father Renero Catalamesa. And so, yeah, I hope that that is good for you and helpful for you and, and your relationship with the Holy Spirit. I often say the Holy Spirit is like the 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 person and the Trinity that we sometimes neglect the most, but we definitely need to be intentional with because uh, when the apostles received him at Pentecost, like it was their relationship with the Holy Spirit that inspired them and motivated them to go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So yeah, he's good. He's good. He's good. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Mm, feel this conversation. Come Holy Spirit right now. I just want to invite you Holy Spirit to possess me and to possess my mind and my words and and I ask that you give me the gift of tongues to, as I answer the, the questions in the podcast today, that you just give me the words that are, are good for, for the bride to hear, for the bride of Christ to hear, for the church to receive, for the people in the world to, to be drawn to God. Uh, and, and God, I ask that everybody who hears the podcast today has the gift of interpretation of tongues so that when they only hear what is good and beneficial for them to become saints and their walk toward eternity, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. You take this show wherever you want it to go. This is your podcast. And so we entrust it to you, Lord. Make us saints. Amen. With that being said, let's get into today's show. All right. First question is about relationships. Uh, the dating doctor. Uh, yeah, I feel like Delight. Delilah. Remember, she's uh, mm, 96.1. The River. Uh, she gives like the worst relationship advice ever. If you're, if you're listening to Delilah, you are a beloved daughter of God the Father, but your advice is terrible, typically. No shade. Um, but uh, interfaith relationships. What is your advice on interfaith relationships, interfaith marriage? Can it work? I'm currently a graduate student and I find myself attracted to men outside the Catholic faith, even though I attend mass on a regular basis and I'm a part of a Bible study on my campus. I find myself being attracted to men of different religions, including agnostics. My Catholic faith is very important to me and I want my future children to belong to the Catholic faith. Is it wrong to pursue relationships with men outside of the Catholic faith? By the way, I enjoy listening to your podcast every week. Thank you for you, you and God bless you, Monica. Monica, that's a great question. Monica, uh, there's an R&B singer by the name of Monica. One of her first hits was in the early 90s. <laughs> Baby, that's just why I love you so much. Baby, that's just why I can't get so like you change the lyrics to baby to Jesus Jesus that's just why I love you so much come on Lord Jesus that's just why I can't get enough come on come on uh. I love you I love you I love you Jesus Christ so 
can you love somebody who's not Catholic? Yes, my, my dad is Methodist. My dad is AME, African-American Methodist Episcopalian. My mother is Catholic, and they are, uh, I'm so grateful for them to be my parents. My my father and my mother do love each other with a Thomistic love. They desire that which is best for each other, and uh, and they've been so good for each other and for us, my brothers and my sisters and myself. And so, yes, can you date somebody and potentially marry somebody who is not Catholic? Sure. You know, why not? I think that the qualifying factor in this whole conversation is, does that person, will that person though be a barrier for you and your relationship with Jesus and the sacraments? Because at the end of the day, Monica, you were created for Jesus. You were created for God, a relationship with Jesus. And so if that person will help you and assist you and hold you accountable to your relationship with Jesus Christ, specifically in the sacraments of life of the Catholic church, then that person is good for you. And that person can be a great spouse for you one day. But if that person makes fun of your faith and tries to prevent you from going to mass and receiving the sacrament of reconciliation and adoring Christ in the blessed sacrament and participating in Bible study, if that person tells you up front, I will not raise our kids Catholic and I will not uh, let you even try, then that is not somebody that you want to marry. So you want to marry somebody that's going to respect your most important relationship, which is your relationship with Jesus, Jesus Christ. And so I think sometimes there are a lot of Catholic girls even who they just really struggle because like, they're like, you know, I'm beautiful and I'm Catholic and I'm solid and I'm, I'm virtuous and I'm chaste and I'm single and I really want to be married. And there aren't enough Catholic guys out there who are good and all the good ones seem to go to seminary and become priests. And so I tell them, you know, like there's a few things that I would recommend. You might want to go on a dating app so that way people know that you're available to date. Uh, you might want to go out to, to places and spaces where you can meet somebody, but also you might want to date outside of your ethnicity. You might want to date outside of your your religion even, right? Um, as long as the person outside of your religion does not in any way, shape, or form try to prevent you from a, abiding in a relationship with Jesus Christ in the sacraments. So my father, uh, though he's Methodist, African-American Methodist Episcopalian, he made sure that my brothers and I were raised Catholic. He went to uh, and went uh, with us to our religious education classes. We were public school kids. We did not go to Catholic school. And so on Sundays and on Tuesdays, we'd have to go to church and he would go with us, right? Uh, my, he in no way, shape or form prevented my mother from making sure that we were baptized or confirmed or received our sacraments. So uh, he was very much active in our faith. He enjoys going to mass. He enjoys watching uh, Catholic television. He enjoys uh, a lot about about the church, but he just he's never felt called to join the church. I've invited him on a million occasions, <laughs> a million occasions. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, I would say as long as that person in no way, shape or form tries to prevent you from the relationship with God that you were created for, um, if they can support that, then then I will support that that relationship, that interfaith relationship. But if they in any way, shape or form try to prevent you from God, and specifically God in the sacraments and the scriptures, uh, nah, that's not the one. That That is not the one. God would never want that. And, and what you might find, too, is that sometimes whenever you do date people outside of your faith, you can be a witness to them of the gift of the faith, of the gift of the sacraments, of the gift of the church that Jesus Christ gave to us. I mean, he gave us the church. He gave us Holy Mother Church. He gave us the Catholic Church. It's a gift. And some people don't, don't know about that gift because they've never met Catholics who are on fire for their faith, who are rooted in Bible studies and rooted in the sacraments. And, and so potentially you might be a bridge for him to to also abide in a relationship with Christ and the sacraments uh, at some point in his walk toward eternity. And so, yeah, I think that uh, you just have to make sure that that person, whoever that person is, 
now or in the future uh, is someone who supports the primary relationship that you were created for, which is the relationship with God. Speaking of relationship with God, uh, one of the ways that we sustain that is by going to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass every single Sunday. Uh, and so the next question comes in from Daddy. Daddy asked this question, why do Catholics kneel? Stand up, sit down, kneel. Stand up, sit down, kneel. Hey, Father Josh, within the last week, I've had two different friends who have left the Catholic faith and are considering coming back. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Ask me to explain why we Catholics stand up, sit down, and kneel. As a cradle Catholic, I admitted that I wasn't sure. I told my friends that I listened to this great podcast called Ask Father Josh. Oh, man, God bless you. It's the team. If it's great, it's because of the Holy Spirit and because of the team. And I thought that this would be a great question for you to explain. I've been a longtime listener as well as my husband, and we've had great conversations about things we did not know or understand within our faith. Thank you so much for the time that you put into this podcast, and thank you for the Unseen team. Amen. That helps make this podcast possible. Many blessings to all of y'all. P.S. With your spontaneous song singing, I have a feeling I know which one you will associate with my name, Dottie. Let me see. What would I associate with the name Dottie? Dottie. Uh, ah, you got me. You got me. I I don't know, Dottie. Dottie. Let me see. Mm, I don't. I honestly don't even know. Uh, maybe you could write me another question and give me a hint because <laughs> I don't know, daddy, daddy. Uh, nope, I ain't got it. I, I don't have it. Sorry, but it is a great question. Why do we stand? Why do we sit? Why do we know it? everything we do in mass has a meaning, right? Everything in the mass is like, it's rooted in the Bible. It's rooted in sacred scriptures, like everything from like when we walk in the church and we dip our hands in the holy water. And make the sign of the cross, like making the sign of the cross is, is a physical action with our body. Theology of the body, like we're, we have these bodies, these, these physical bodies. And so making the sign of the cross, we mark ourselves with the sign of the cross in the Old Testament. The, the people who were chosen that was set aside to be protected from the enemy, they were marked with a towel, which was a symbol of the cross. And so um, it's, it's like, it's like a, even an X, right? Um, and so we sign ourselves with the cross. We are marked for the Lord. Um, when we dip our hands in the water, what does that mean? It means that we're saying we are all a priestly people and, and priests in the, in the scriptures before they entered into a sacrifice, offer of a sacrifice, they always wash their hands. And so people dip their hands in holy water to wash our hands. It also calls upon our baptism, the baptism that saved us. First Peter 3.21, St. Peter says baptism saves us. And so everything we do, like when we beat our breast at mass, in the beginning of mass, we do the confidio. We say, I confess to almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I'm a sinner. We don't stand up and say, I confess that I'm a saint or I confess that I'm perfect or I confess that you are a sinner. We say, I'm a sinner. And then like the man, the scriptures who was humble in the gospel, uh, who was repentant of his sins, he, he humbled himself and he beat his breast. And so we say, my fault, my fault, my most grievous fault. Everything we do has a meaning. Sitting down is a posture of receptivity. Whenever we sit down, we, we go to class. How many of us have ever gone to school? When we go to school, we're invited to sit down to listen to our teachers. And so at Mass, we sit down because it's a physical posture that helps us to receive the Word of God, to receive the message in the Mass, the homily. Uh, sitting down is a posture of receptivity. Uh, standing up is a posture of respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, take care, T-C-B, respect. You heard that T-C-B for everybody who's been hating on me for the past few years because I didn't know 
what to say when I sang Aretha Franklin and I kept saying TCP or TC somebody. I got it, TCB, which means taking care of business, right? Taking care of business. So whenever we stand up, we are showing respect. We're showing respect to God. Standing up literally goes back to our Jewish roots. Jewish people would do this as a posture of prayer um, before the time of Jesus. And it's a sign of respect. We stand up in the mass specifically when we are sitting down, we stand up like when the gospel is proclaimed. Why? Because whenever the gospel is proclaimed, we are literally listening to the the life of Christ and the words of Jesus himself. And so it's like a sign of like profound respect that though we are trying to receive everything, like right now, it's like the king has entered into the building. So everybody stand up uh, and, and, and reverence the king who's being proclaimed. But also we kneel down. And in Ephesians 3.14, St. Paul, he says, I kneel before the Father. Uh, Jesus is the image of the Father and Jesus Christ is present to us. Uh, in the Mass, in the Blessed Sacrament. And so at the moments of the Mass, whenever the Eucharist is, is, is exposed, whenever the bread and the wine and the water are transformed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, we do kneel down because Jesus is the image of the Father. And uh, in, in Acts 9, 40, uh, you know, Peter knelt down when he prayed. So kneeling down is a biblical uh, thing that we do. It's, it's a sign of respect, of adoration before the, before the Lord, the King of Kings. And so, yeah, everything that we do in the Mass, whether it's standing or sitting or kneeling, it's, it's, it's a posture to help us to enter into a right relationship with, with God as we worship God at the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Yeah, but it's super cool. There's a really good book Ascension Press put out a while ago. Uh, it's by Dr. Edward Sri, who is a phenomenal biblical scholar he uh he's just he's a great guy and um he wrote a book on the mass called a biblical walk through the mass understanding what we say and do in the liturgy uh again a biblical walk through the mass understanding what we say and do in the liturgy it's a phenomenal book and i would highly encourage you to check it out and share it with your friends who are following catholics so that that way they can uh understand all the the what's and the why all the why's behind the what's yeah the why we do behind the what we do yeah so Hopefully that was helpful for you, uh, Daddy. And uh, I'm going to Google songs. Let me just do that right now. Let me go ahead and do that right now. I got my computer in front of me. Let's check this out. Daddy, Daddy, what song is associated with Daddy? Daddy's song. All right, so we have Daddy West, Daddy. Let me see. Danny and the Juniors had a song called Daddy in 1958. It came out and it has 31,000 views on YouTube. Let's see. Hey, come on. Oh. Oh, come on. Okay. I like that. D-O-T-T-I-E-A-D-O. No, I'm, I'm totally messing up on that. Great. Okay, cool. Praise God. Daddy, uh, let me know what the song is so I can, uh, so I can uh, yeah, sit with it and uh, pray with it and see if God speaks to me through it. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to dive into a final question. Nestled under the warm Florida sun is a university whose name indicates a vocational call. Ave Maria, which is Latin for Hail Mary, recalls the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary of her future vocation, becoming the mother of God. Enriched by God's grace, Mary freely assents to this call. This is the model for all students. Come to Ave Maria University, where we offer a liberal arts curriculum buoyed by the sacraments. This empowers you to clearly see your vocational call, whatever that call might be. Ave Maria University, your vocation, location. 
Visit AveMaria.edu or call 1-833-AMUSWFL. And we are back. Quick reminder, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.essentialpress.com slash askfatherjosh. Last question is about humility. Father Josh, I love your show. Thank you for helping me grow closer to our Lord. Praise God. The closer I get to you, Jesus, I can hear you speak over and over again. I have a question about prayer you like, a prayer you like. You know I like this prayer, Lydia of Humility. I love that prayer. I've been praying it in different seasons of my life, and I always have difficulty with the line that others may be preferred to me in everything. When I applied for my dream job, I had a hard time praying that line because I felt like God has given me the gifts to earn that role. I felt like my prayers that I would get chosen were contradicting with the litany of humility. I understand humility is to think of ourselves less. However, doesn't the Lord want what's best for me if I've discerned it properly? I'm just curious how I can pray of humility while having self-compassion or without feeling like it's a selfish thing to want things that are good for myself. Hope this makes sense. And God bless. Please, uh, P.S., can you please sing my name, Michaela? Michaela, uh, can I sing your name? I'm going to sing your name, sing your name. Your parents named you Michaela, not to be mistaken with uh, Shayla, so I said your name. All right, let's 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 dive into your question because I think your question is a really important question uh, about the litany of humility. It is a difficult prayer to recite, but I think, like, really at its core, whenever we recite the litany of humility, like the goal is that we we recognize that all things are passing, all things are passing. And like I said, with the, the question about interfaith dating, the greatest good is Jesus. The greatest good is God. And our hearts are going to be restless until they rest in God. It's not going to, we're not going to find rest in a job that we pray for or in a position that we, that we attain at work or in a ministry that we excel in. We're never going to find fulfillment in work. We're never going to find fulfillment in people. We're never going to find fulfillment in success or achievements. And so while it is good to pray, God, like if it's best for me to get this, this position, like I want it, right? But if it's not best for me, if it's not for my greatest good, if it's not going to help me be a saint, God, I don't want it. Like the goal of the litany of humility, the litany of humility is to understand that like I was created for God. God. And until God has his proper place in my life, nothing else will make sense. I had an image in prayer one time where I, I saw like a classroom and Jesus was supposed to be in the teacher's chair, but instead uh, he wasn't. He was in the classroom. He was in a chair, but he wasn't in the teacher's chair. And because he wasn't in his proper place, my life was chaotic. My life was disordered. My life was out of whack. And I had other good things in the in that in that chair. I had ministries that were in that chair. I had uh, insights that were in that chair. I had gifts of God that were in that chair, but they weren't God. And God was like, Josh, put me in my right place. Put me in my chair. And I will bring order to everything else in your life. And so the Lord wants to do that with us as well. And that's why we pray the of humility is so that he puts right order. Like, God, help me to desire only that which you desire for me. And if other people should have these positions, if it's best for them to have these positions, Lord, grant me the grace to desire that that's what they get because that's going to help them to become a saint. But if it's if it's going to help me be a saint, yeah, I'm certainly, I want that, God. But only so far as it's a bridge for me to get to you because you're the one who will fulfill me, God. You're the one that will make me happy. You're the one that will complete me, God. Not 
anything. Now, you know what? I, I would give everything up. Not, nothing even matters uh, at all. So like when we find ourselves like looking for validation or looking for honor or praise, our accolades, our respect, our encouragement, our affirmation, uh, all that stuff from people, when we get our worth from the words of others from other people, and, mm, that's like something's off. If, if I'm like looking to Twitter and my likes on social media and my shares and my retweets and, and comments and all that, like something's off. God says, you look to me for that. If I'm looking for my family, be like, wow, you really did a great job. Like you're so successful. You got this job that you worked really hard for. And not something that, no, it's what, what matters is what God says of me. And what God says, like, you, like, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. I'm proud of you. Um, and so that's the only one I should look for the admiration of. Never people. I mean, they got, I got so many haters. Like, Y'all, you would not believe I got so many haters. I get hate mail all day, every day. I get a lot of affirmation from people. Praise God. And I'm grateful for that. But I get so many like letters from people who, who I mean, literally people take time to write letters and people lie about me on social media. And I ain't got no time for that. Whenever I see somebody lying about me, you think I got time for that? No, because I'm not rooted in them. God is my God. They ain't my God. So I'm like, God bless you. I see you. I pray for you. I fast for you. But God is my God. I'm not looking for you. I'm not looking for you. Whether it's a praise report or a lie. Like, I ain't, I'm not, I'm looking for God. God, draw me to you, Jesus. I'm concerned with you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus. And so, I think like that's the ultimate point of the lineage of humility is that we were created by God. We were created by God for God and settling for anything or anyone less than the infinite God will leave us miserable. You hear me? It will leave us so miserable. We were not created for anything or anyone else but God. And so, yeah, if it will help me to cling to you and only you that others are preferred to me, God, and the opinion of the world. And the opinion of other people, that's cool. Like that is so cool because my eyes are for you. Like my eyes are on you, Jesus. And because uh, at the end of the day, like Michaela, God's eyes are always on you. And he he's trying to get us to reorient our attention to him, to where we're only looking at him. And again, if, if other people, things, places, activities, whatever it is, will help us to get to him and to remain with him and to abide in him, then you praise God for those things while they bring us to him, but they're all passing. So even things that at some point in my life might have been a gift for me to get to Jesus and to abide with Jesus, there might come a season where they're not. And if that's the case, then Lord, give me the grace to let them go, to not be attached to them, to not hold on to them. You know, like like the example is the boat. Whenever the apostles were in the boat, the boat was a place where they encountered Jesus. Like Jesus slept on the boat. He ate with them on the boat. He fished with them on the boat. He talked to them. He prayed with them. He ministered to them. Like so many good things happened for them while they were on the boat with Jesus, they were apart from all the distractions of the world. They saw miracles happen on the boat. It was so beautiful. But, you know, Jesus at one point went walking on the water. He invited Peter to walk on the water too. And like, imagine if that storm was like crazy and Peter, imagine if Peter never took his eyes off of Jesus. He kept walking with the Lord and they went walking for like hours. And that boat, that boat is now breaking. That boat is getting like waves are coming. It's crashing. The boat's falling apart. Well, the apostles, that boat at one point was, it was a means to the end. It helped them to get to Jesus. And so they rightfully held on to that boat for that season of their life. But now he ain't on the boat. He's in the water. And they're like, but I don't know the water. All I know is the boat. And he's like, well, let go of the boat, come walk on water. But they're like, nah, Jesus, I can't walk on water. I need to hold on to the boat. 
well, you hold on to the boat, you're going to sink, right? It's like Titanic. It's, that that movie is, the man, that movie is so messed up. Remember that, that, that was so, I mean, you know what I think? I, here's my philosophy. My philosophy is the reason why, I think her name is Rose. The reason why Rose let Leonardo DiCaprio sink is because she recognized, like, he wasn't good for her. He was a near occasion of sin, probably. They, they they had committed sin. They had a, they committed adultery on that on that in that movie. I don't know if it, in real life they did it or not, but in the movie they committed adultery. That's a, that's a, one of the Ten Commandments. And she probably felt guilty for that. And here was her chance to get out. She was like, "Look, bro, ain't got no room." And he was like, "What are you talking about, Rose? Like they got room. All you gotta do is scoot over. I can fit. Like give me a hand up." And she was like, "Nah." fall back you were definitely uh, a bad choice and i'm trying to avoid the near occasion of sin so i'm just gonna let you go i'm so sorry uh you know <laughs> he said i'll never let go to her but she was like i will let go of you real quick because i recognize that you probably ain't good for my salvation so but like i'm saying though i know i'm all over the place but on the boat apostles they hold on to that boat then jesus is like give me your hand they're like no jesus i'm holding on to the boat because that's, that's all i've ever known right so these things in our life that we think might help us to abide with God, uh, once they no, lo- no longer are helping us to abide with God, we got to let them go. And so like litany of humility is really a litany of detachment from an attachment to. Detach me, Lord, from everything and anything that can may potentially ever get in the way of us and help me to be attached to you, God. Draw me to you, Jesus. Draw me to you. All times, all places, all spaces. So like in life, it's a constant discernment. We're constantly discerning. It's We're never at a place where we are, I discern this and I'm good. Like daily discernment needs to happen. Daily being aware and attentive to his face and to his voice. So yeah, I know I said a lot right there, but I feel like the Holy Spirit kind of took over and potentially. And, but then again, I'm also not infallible, so I could be totally off. So if I am off, my bad. Uh, pray for me, fast for me, help me. Pray for me, fast for me, and help me, right? Uh, give me the grace, God, to listen to the wisdom of the body of Christ who, who wants to help me to become a saint. Yeah, because I am not perfect, and I am I can be wrong a lot. But um, but yeah, so if I was wrong, my bad. But if it was good, praise Jesus Christ. Anything good I say comes from the Lord. Anything bad I say comes from me, for sure. So with that being said, let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Hmm. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, yeah, Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for loving us, for wanting us, for desiring us, for calling us by name, for choosing us, for for giving us gifts that help us to abide in relationship with you and help us to invite others to be in relationship with you. Jesus Christ, you are everything. You are all that we need. You are all that we ultimately want. You are all that we long for, God. God, give us the grace to keep our eyes fixed on you and not on the opinions of others, not on the gifts of others, not on anything that is not good for us in this season of our lives. God, give us the grace to be grateful for other gifts, to be grateful for passing finite gifts, but to not hold on to them, not possess them, not grasp at them, but to keep our hands open to receiving you and only you. For God, you are everything you are enough for, for our brothers and sisters right now, God, who have not been faithful to prayer. I ask that you just send forth your Holy Spirit to draw them to prioritize prayer over social media to specifically for our brothers and sisters who struggle right now with 
with addiction to Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and social media. God, I ask that you send forth your Holy Spirit upon them right now and help them to find freedom so they can just look at you, God, look at you, that they can find help from counselors who can help them to detach from things that just are not good for them. Um, you are the greatest good, God, and we never want to put a lesser good in your place. Yeah, God, you are everything. Come, Holy Spirit, help us to be disciples of Jesus Christ at all times, in all places, in all spaces, in our walk toward becoming saints. We ask this prayer, Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Mm, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, y'all, I love y'all very much. Pray for me. If you, uh, if you can, fast for me too. And I will uh, hopefully... Hopefully be able to meet you one day on earth. And if not on earth, hopefully we can, uh, we can worship God together forever in the kingdom of heaven for all eternity as saints. Deuces.